Hello, I'm Rachel Richards and welcome to Teenagers Untangled, where we combine research by experts and ideas from other parents to solve your problems. As a parenting coach, I saw the incredible power of getting people together to share ideas and support each other. So welcome, pull up a chair and let's begin. On today's show, we discuss a question sent in from listener Alex, which is, how do I stay connected with my teenager when they argue and don't seem to want me anymore? But first, alcohol and your teenager, when do you let them start drinking? Is it the legal age or is it younger? How much do you let them drink? When and where are they allowed to drink? Do you even have any control over it? With me to help us tackle these topics again is Susie Asley, who is a teacher of mindfulness and mother to three teenagers, including twins. Hi, Susie. Thanks for being here with us. Hi, Rachel. Now, let's start with the official advice. The NHS says children shouldn't drink alcohol until at least 15 years old. And up to the age of 17, it should be rarely and never more than once a week. Meanwhile, the US Department of Health is on record saying underage drinking can cause alterations in the structure and function of the developing brain. Now, this is an interesting one because whilst teenagers become legally adult at 18, their brains still have that extreme teenage plasticity until they're almost 25. Finally, in a study of nearly 10,000 students carried out by Minnesota University, as binge drinking goes up, grade point average goes down. Um, Susie, what do you think? You've got a 16-year-old. Yeah, well, that was terrifying <laughs> listening to that. Um, yeah, I have a 16-year-old who has, you know, he's goes to parties now. Um, and, you know, they, they drink at parties. Um, he doesn't particularly like it. He has drunk, and he wouldn't mind me saying this. Um, he has drunk quite a lot once um, in my house. <laughs> um which was a good, um, I don't know, a good, a good way of doing it. Uh, if, if there is a good way of doing it um, in a safe environment, and we could. And did you know? Had you discussed it beforehand? No. <laughs> <laughs> so he just found the alcohol. He bought the alcohol. He had, found it, right. and it was all very harmless. Um, but it was, you know, it, it, it. Um, my approach was very much, you know, I know you've been drinking. He was with a friend, um, and um, do you need some help? Um, rather than, you know, telling him off or whatever. What, how, you know, do you need help? You know, can I make you a cup of tea and some toast kind of thing? <laughs> Come inside <laughs> and, um, and you know, be well. Did, did he get the message at all that this wasn't really the right way of doing things? How did you get that message across? Well, I mean, that message was pointless in the moment because he wasn't really able to converse properly <laughs> I mean it wasn't that bad but um so it was it, that was one of those things where you know I had the opportunity to have a think how do I want to tackle it um then the next day how do I bring this up um rather than you know reacting you know making a, a response um and you know I did showed them what a shot looked like <laughs> measured oh, it out interesting because um, so, presumably he wasn't using shots he no. was just drinking and they were drinking vodka with coke which you know is quite easy to drink down isn't it um and you know not really knowing what how much it was and then we had the discussion that and that they understood that um there was a sort of ah oh, this is a shot and this is how much you've drunk ah <laughs> <laughs> um and you know they didn't eat enough beforehand, um, you know, and, but they know all of that. But just reminding, you know, this is what you need to do so that um, 
so that you can be healthy and and make better choices next time and so that it's you know it's a one-off it's not it's really not a big deal um but it would be a big deal if you did that every weekend Uh, and that's a really interesting point because when it comes to parenting for example going over things actually makes a big difference because often you don't learn things once you have to be reminded and not in a nagging way but a sort of so do you remember that because it's very easy to forget and there are also so many pressures I think um parents don't all concur on this by any stretch of the imagination And, and my younger daughter I hosted a party for her at the age of 13 for her from her last school. And this party was the end of school party. Very Mm -hmm. exciting. And I did it then because my reasoning was I don't want to be doing the big parties when they're 16 Mm -hmm. because it's much more complicated and much more. And so I wanted to look like the fun, cool parent (laughs) without having all the drugs, alcohol problems to deal with because they are they're fraught. Yeah. But even then, I, you know, one parent said to me, oh, it's really nice for them to have a can of point something cider or beer, mm. just so they feel like they've had something grown up. And um, so I sort of put that out in the discussion group. And I had one parent objecting very strongly to any of the children having any alcohol, particularly her child. And she said, you know, nothing before she's 15. I don't even want to start her on that road. And um, my my response was, I completely understand and actually no alcohol then. If, if you've got one parent in that group, you sort of just have to go with, with what the one parent says. And it, in a way, it was a bit of a relief because it just took away that decision for me. But other parents seem to have a much more comfortable relationship. Yeah. I've been to parties or to people's houses where my teenagers are sitting around the table and people are pouring drinks for them. And I'm saying, uh, no. Wait, wait, no. She's, mm. you know, she's thirteen, and, and she doesn't look thirteen. But saying, you know, she is only thirteen, and they just look at me and say, "Well, you know, kind of lighten up." Yeah. And and often people cite the French response that you know the, the kind of oh, well, you know, you have to bring them up socially, responsibly drinking, and then they're less likely to go off the rails later. Well, Doctor Eric Sigmund said that people would be surprised to find that in France they've been reviewing that opinion mm. completely and it's not so much the the case anymore. It's quite similar. I mean, I haven't lived in Denmark for 10 years, but we, we lived there for years and, and they're more relaxed or they used to be more relaxed with alcohol and I think they still are. My children still, still go over there regularly. Um, and teenagers can buy alcohol earlier and there is a lot of teenage drinking and that is the, the, the idea is that, you know, if you introduce them younger then they can manage it but statistics show that it's the opposite that there is more problem with teenage drinking because they start earlier so the earlier they start the more they drink what an interesting point because again um i keep quoting um dr sigmund because he had such an impact on me when i heard him talking years before my children were teenagers and he's done huge amounts of research into this and he said parents are very scared to tell their children they shouldn't be doing something, don't smoke, don't drink, don't take drugs, whatever, because they feel that if they do that, then the children are more likely to rebel and go and um, and and do it. And he said all the research they've done states the opposite, that mm. if you tell your children, I'd rather you didn't drink or, I, you know, don't take drugs or, or, you know, smoking's bad for you and I don't want you to do it. Mm. The, the the less likely they are yeah. to either do it and if they do do it they they will do far less of it yeah. well in the moment when they're offered something that they're unsure about then they're they're sort of they get knocked out of 
they go into survival, I guess, in a, in a way. They don't really know because it's worrying, isn't it? Do I want this? Do I not want this? And then they will rely on what's in their baggage, which is their, you know, subconscious. Okay, mum said that or dad said that or whatever. And that, that will be what will they'll bring up. And even if they make a different choice and they do it anyway, that will still appear um, in their... You're so you're so right, Susie. And, and actually, that happened to my younger daughter. She'd gone to a new school. Um, she, two weeks in, decided she wanted to go out with her friends. And of course, I want her to have fun and meet up with her friends. And uh, these are 13-year-olds. And one of the girls decided that they she wanted to drink. Yeah. And my daughter's response was, um, I think I think we're, that's illegal. I, you know, because they're supposed <laughs> to be, they're in a park. And the other girl, yeah, and the other girl said, no, 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 let's get those boys over there to go and buy us some. They'll buy us some. Yeah. And I said to her, so so wait, who were these boys? And she said, and I said, how old were they? And she said they were 20. And I said, those aren't boys, they're men. And I explained to her what jailbait is and that this is a this is a terrible thing to ask a, um, a, a man to do. And um, but they did it anyway. And they got the vodka, a bottle of vodka wow. and drank the entire bottle. One girl was responsible for drinking half the bottle. Um, the lovely thing is my daughter told me all of mm. this as soon as she got in the car, she said, oh, my God, this has just happened. <laughs> And and the other thing that happened was they were all separated up by this. When the, when this was discovered, the school separated each child up. The, the one who drank half a bottle obviously was very sick, was sent home um, vomiting. And um, everybody said my daughter didn't drink, which is what my daughter had told me. And I said to her, God, wow, really? What, why, why didn't you drink? And she said, because you've told me that it's not safe and it's mm. not it's not good for me mm. and you don't want me to wow. so she she was self-parenting she was relying on the information mm. she'd got from me and she said to me what would you have done if um i had drunk and i just said well i would have been really disappointed and she said well you, you wouldn't have shouted at me and i said well no i'm not going to shout at you uh, but i think you're better than that and i think you know enough about the, the problems at your age with drinking because you're not safe because mm. if you're in a park a public park first of all this is your hood so all these people you may not know the people who see you but they're going to know you eventually and they're going to know you're the girl who sits in the park drinking alcohol <laughs> and also yeah. you're very vulnerable yeah. you're very as soon as you start drinking and i think this goes for boys as well as girls and i think people give always a free pass but i actually think if you're drinking in a public place um young men are far more likely to get into fights they're far more likely to to have all sorts of other problems happen yeah. if they've been drinking they're far more likely to possibly do things that are offensive to other girl to girls yeah. you know all of the lot of dangers involved so i love your approach of actually providing a safe environment where if they're going to have to do these, do yeah. these things i think it's different on the age isn't it i mean my child was 16 I think that's very different from a 13 year old so I would have probably responded in a, in a different way I don't know what I'd have done because I haven't experienced that but um <laughs> it's it's different but it's um you know kids are curious and kids are different as well some kids will be you know we 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 deal with rules differently like I, I have three kids and they deal with rules very differently you know one of them would be oh mum said that that's the rules I I I will follow that and others will be like oh that's the rules I'm going to do the complete opposite because that's more fun <laughs> and we have different personalities so um it's it's trying to do it you know as in anything with without shaming and without judging too much but with yeah doing it from a place of concern and 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 I think the concern actually that is possibly why my daughter took the approach she did because I'd also said you know don't 
Don't ever drink without eating. Don't 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 yeah. take this cultural desire to stand outside a pub and just drink alcohol mm. to get drunk. It's it's not. It's, this is not the approach. And so she had said to the girls, "Oh, we need to eat something." <laughs> but again, I, I my point is that you know I obviously had this, started having this discussion with her very young, yeah, well before she was ever going to be having to deal with these problems. And and it protected her because yeah. in the instance where she was confronted with a difficult situation, because even as adults, we get confronted with situations where we think, oh, you know, you get pressurized. Oh, why aren't you drinking? Why aren't you um, having some kind of defense is going to make it easier for them if they don't want to. And if they, you know, have it keeping the like you did with your son, where you sat down and said, how can I support you? And. I think if our children feel like we're on their side yeah. and that the only reason we're saying this stuff is because we want them to be stay safe. And not catastrophizing it. I mean, if, they, if they're going to, you know, I've made many mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> hundreds. Um, and, you know, working out well, which, which one is, okay, you've done that once, twice, maybe, you know, okay, it's really not the end of the world and, and let's have a look at it if we need to. It's when it becomes a regular thing or it's a, clearly an issue that is different. And again, it always comes back to the, you know, the connection you have with your kid. Yes. Our email address uh, is help at teenagersuntangled.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, this next session is about tangling with teenagers, a chance for us to take a particular problem and try to offer you some solutions. In this episode, we tackle a question sent in by Alex. How do I stay connected with my teenager when they argue and don't seem to want me anymore? I mean, I, I was talking to my hairdresser about this the other day. He's the same age as me and has clearly lived a rock and roll life. He's got the tattoos, he's got the ear piercings and the hairstyle. He said his daughter has told him he's boring and doesn't want to talk to him. Ouch. And he said, he said, how can she feel that way? I used to do the hair of, of all these supermodels. I used to be on the fashion shows and things. And Irrelevant. he said when he mentioned their names, she just looked at him and went, like, who? <laughs> Totally irrelevant. Your dad, you're boring. End of. <laughs> so, Susie, what do you think? How how do you stay connected with your kids? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, I have three kids. I have two who are almost 14 and one who's 16. And they're, you know, different personalities, uh, different genders. I think that makes a difference too. Um, and I have noticed, I did notice, I kind of felt I went from because I parent my kids on my own, you know, I went from that, I just want five minutes of peace on my own, you know, go to the loo, shut the door, just two minutes, please, no one talk to me. <laughs> um, and then overnight, I was felt I was standing in the kitchen going, anyone there? Anyone want to hang out? <laughs> and they've all gone. And I don't know how that, there wasn't a transition, it was an overnight thing. Um, and suddenly they, you know, they have their own worlds, which is totally f normal, healthy and brilliant. Um, and But it can be really difficult. Um, and I think the more you push and demand the connection, the more they go, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you realise their social life's so much better than yeah, yours. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly you've been like, yeah. Such I, I did read a thing. Um, what was it? It was a really brilliant quote that really resonated. It was... Parenting teenagers is a part-time activity and full-time availability, which really resonated. So you have to be on, on, available, to, available to answer any questions not, at any point. You're not so hands-on all the time. And it's because we're not, suddenly we have a, more time or more, more space in a way, but we still need to be available. Um, and I think we just need to partly get a life ourselves. 
I'm up for that. <laughs> <laughs> and and partly appreciate the little little moments that we get. So um and I've talked to other friends about this, you know, when you have a car journey, especially, especially it sounds very sexist, I know, but especially with boys, maybe, or maybe just because my eldest is a boy, I don't know. Um, car journeys are awesome. You know, you have, nobody has to have eye contact and That's you can fantastic. have amazing conversations. Yes, they, and maybe it's only 10 minutes and, and maybe that actually fills the hole rather than going, I want a whole afternoon with you. Um, cause it's not, it's not about quality, a quantity. It's about quality. Quality, yeah. And just checking in, just checking in. And, and I find with mine, I don't know if you find with yours, but my, uh, definitely my eldest wakes up at about 11 PM when I really would like to be crawling into bed. Um, and sometimes, you know, you just, ha- I just feel I have to drop everything and go, okay, well, let's, do a fry up at 11 p.m. And because you're going to talk <laughs> the time. and you might not want to for a whole week. <laughs> so it's kind of grabbing the moments, I think. Yes. And, I, and the, the, what you said about being in the car, um, I think the most excruciating question I've ever had was when my children were sitting in the back of the car and I was sitting in the front. Right. Because I think that they took that moment and my husband wasn't there. They yeah. took that moment because there was going to be no eye contact. Yeah. I want to know what that was. <laughs> For me, I the way I approached it was um, I'd years ago heard about something called a love bomb where you you reconnect while you're spending 24 hours with your young child. And this was specifically related to young children who were causing problems. I tried it with my older child. It was a disaster. (laughs) And I thought that didn't work. And then when they got a bit older, I thought I might try that again. So what I did was I said to both my girls, you turn double digits and we're going to have some time away on our own. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to, you know, book a weekend away with my children. So, um, we, I got them to choose where they thought would be really good. Um, the, the first child came with her bucket list, which was the Great Wall of China. And okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's your bucket list, darling. That's not where we're going. Local cafe will do. <laughs> but I, but I start off by saying, I'm really, I love that you are mm. aiming high. So keep that. That can be your bucket list. It's not happening. And um, with each of them, I went away for an extended weekend, just the two of us, and it was a chance to change gears it was a chance to reconnect where we were simply one-to-one talking about anything walking in the streets um sitting in cafes and it was very interesting the sort of sorts of questions that came up during that weekend and i used the time to be, be very explicit about how our relationship was changing and to say to them we i am no longer um, going to be telling you what you should do all the time because you don't need that. You're now turning into a young adult. You are going to be a woman and you're now in that training ground where it's up to you to start making decisions that, that will support you for the rest of your life. So my job is to sit next to you and discuss things and question what you're doing and help you and support you. Um, I love that. Yeah. And they and, and it's been the making of our relationships. Mm-hmm. We're We're now... With both of my children, I'm very close with them because they they realise it took the second one longer to get that, mm. and she still um, there was a there was a, there was a moment where I realised she'd been lying to me, and I was very upset about it. And I challenged her, mm. 
and oh, she said, oh, oh, and I think she'd been told by her friends, that's what you do, you kind of yeah. lie, lie to your parents. Yeah. And um, I told her that the impact of lying, that once you've been lied to once, it's very hard to regain that mm. trust. And I think you have to have these difficult conversations mm. and tell them mm. that this is how it impacts your relationship. And then I, I said to her, sweetie, you know, these friends of yours that are giving you advice, mm. I have no doubt that they care about you and they're important to you and they're special. But let me tell you, they're 13 mm. and they, they, they don't know. <laughs> they don't really know anything mm. more than you know. Yeah. And I've got another 40 years on that mm. and uh, of life experience. And there's no one in the world who's going to love you as much as I love you and want you to succeed as much as I mm. want you to succeed. So we need to have this open channel where I'm going to I'm going to just give you some help. Yeah. I love that. And I love the idea of spending time with each kid on their own. And, you know, it's a huge privilege to be able to do that. And there's lots of people who wouldn't, um, whether they're parenting alone or, but it's, it doesn't need to be like a, I've, I've done, I've done that sometimes with my kids too, which has been wonderful. Um, really difficult because I parent alone, <laughs> trying to organize yeah, it, absolutely. but it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could just be, you know, at home, half an hour, we're going to sit and do a puzzle together or, mm-hmm or watch a movie together or, you know, just sit for, you know, half an hour, but just the feeling that you are prioritising them and you have that space that is uninterrupted, I think is really important and really beautiful. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be complicated and they do appreciate it. And also the, I don't know, sometimes when they get older as well, we have these great ideas and we'll do this, we'll do that. And, and they might not want to. Mm, and, and I have a little mantra, which I, practice which sometimes works sometimes doesn't (laughs) nothing is personal when they get to a certain age it's not personal if they say to you I don't want to do that that sounds really boring (laughs) I want to go and do that it's so it it can be quite painful you know or they hate me or not they hate me but you know they don't want to it's a rejection isn't it yeah. But it isn't. It's just it's just they're being them. They wanted to go and do something else. Um, it's not personal. Um, I mean, it can be, but <laughs> it's ninety five percent not personal, Absolutely. and it's really helpful to remember that. Yes, and when when, when you know your child says, "Oh, can you come and do TikTok with me?" and I say, yeah. "I don't really feel like it right yeah. now," that needs to be both of you realizing yes. that they're asking for you to do something with yes. them. And you can't always be a baby. No. You know, we were not, it's not our job to be always be, no. be doing things we don't want to do. But actually explaining that and saying, you know, that's really important to you, but it's yeah. not important to me and I don't really find it enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> but let's do this instead. And being curious about the people they're becoming. Because, that's the key. Because, you know, they they are their own person and it's it's really fun hearing what they think about stuff. Um, and they're, they're experimenting with their thoughts, their ideas, Um yeah, amazing. And it, one day they'll grunt and not say very much, and that's fine. But tomorrow maybe they'll come with some great political opinion, and you go, whoa. <laughs> um, and then they go back to grunting the next day, you know, and that is just all part of it. Next week on Teenagers Untangled, in the words of a brilliant book, how do you listen so your teenagers will talk? And how do you talk so your teenagers will listen? And we tackle Helen's question. My 16-year-old is dating and says he's in love. What do I do if he brings her home and wants her to stay the night? Do I put them in the same room or separate them? What would you advise Helen to do? You can reach us by using the email help at teenagersuntangled.com or join our discussion forum on Facebook. 
don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends. Goodbye for now.